if you have a motorcycle that needs fixed and you're in Cleveland or you're driving through Northeast Ohio or Ohio, go to Disown Customs in Cleveland. I want you to visit them at disowncustoms.com. Whether it's something basic, you need something welded or an oil change or basic service. I mean, if you have that motorcycle that's been sitting around that you think cannot be fixed, I'm telling you, you bring it to them and they'll get it back on the road. That's the kind of stuff they do. They're known not just in Cleveland, but they're really known nationally. Danny and the crew over there are doing amazing work. And I know anybody in Cleveland who rides a bike, anyone I've talked to, I don't. But anyone I talk to, I ask them where they take it. They go to Disown Customs. And so do yourself a favor. If you do ride a motorcycle and you haven't gone to Disown Customs, go there. I'm telling you, you'll be satisfied. Again, that's disowncustoms.com. Hey, everybody, this is Aaron Califato, and you're listening to The Connect. So what does The Connect mean? The Connect, to me, is that moment in a conversation with someone when you realize that you're better off as a person because you had that conversation. And if there's an audience listening, they're better off for it too. So that's the simple mission and challenge of this podcast. Can I create the connect with each one of my diverse guests? This episode features my conversation with Bill Squire. Bill is a stand-up comedian and a radio personality on the Alan Cox Show on 100.7 WMMS, has a wide range of listeners, and emanates from Cleveland, Ohio. And so he's built this nice career for himself. It's on the upward trend. And it was on the upward trend three years ago when I started this podcast. It used to be called Authentic Audio, and I had no listenership. And, you know, I was doing monologues and storytelling around the country in a live format, but I was new to podcasting, had no followers this way. And I called Bill up because I grew up in the same town as Bill. And so I I called him up. I was like, hey, man, people like you a little bit. They're showing up to your shows and you're on the radio. Can you be on my podcast in that voice? And he said, yes. And I'll, I'll never forget that because... He's always been, you know, again, we were acquaintances and ran in the same circles and, and friends, but he's always been generous with his time and his spirit when he doesn't have to be, because when you're kind of going on the upward trend and you're a, a brand or a personality or, or whatever your vocation is creatively, you want to associate with other brands that are growing. So really taking your time to do shows that don't necessarily benefit you immediately, that's that's a sacrifice. But he did that for me back then. So now that we have a nice listenership, we've grown a lot, and there's a lot of you listening, I wanted to have Bill come back on. And I wanted to introduce you to him if you don't know him already, and vice versa. What's great about this talk, and we'll get right to it, is he also demonstrates and shows a different side of his personality that you may not get when he does stand-up, that you may not get when he's on the radio. And he was super candid in this talk. So if you want a different perspective on Bill Squire, he and I talk about relationships, how we love our kids, the difficulties of, of breakups. And he's going through and went through a breakup that he describes in our talk and how he's rebuilding his life after that. And we dove into politics and religion and racism in America and his comedy. Of course, we talk about his latest album uh, that a lot of people have listened to called Decisions Aren't My Thing. And so I think we start the talk with the question, what is a good decision? I can tell you this now. It was a great decision to have him on. Uh, for the first episode of this podcast way back when, and it was a great decision to have him on in this episode. And I hope you enjoy our talk. Without further ado, may I present Mr. Bill Squire. Decisions in general. What, what constitutes as a good decision? I mean, do you have to have from an individual perspective? Like, go with me here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a good decision is... Based on what? I think based on knowledge, wisdom, uh, patience, just all those different things. Not being... I mean, the thing is, I do make decisions. That's There's some people that are are... Uh, completely they're like frozen. They're yeah, not able yeah, to do yeah. it. Yeah, they, they they're paralyzed by the idea. So you're decisive. Making it, yeah. So, so I am decisive. very decisive. Yeah. I just uh, might be too decisive 
or uh, don't look at the the long term effects of some of my decisions. So I'll just be like, yeah, this seems like right at the time, and then you do it, and then you go, oh, uh, whoops, that wasn't the best thing to do. So, you learn a lot from that. Yeah. Uh, if as long as you're open to, uh, to like acknowledge that you made a mistake, but yeah, decisions are uh, they're. They're important. We make them all the time, and like there's little tiny ones, and there's really big ones, and uh, it's like I, I there's some people that you know they 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 play the long game. They're always looking at like you know five years down the road, ten years down the road, stuff like that. And I'm more where are you? I'm I'm more immediate future kind of like, like is that me yeah. in the moment? <laughs> yeah, I'm more in the moment. I would say, <laughs> and there's there's a piece to that too because yeah. then you just go, well, I did this and this and this. Like I. Uh, we were just talking uh, when I got here about my breakup mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, I moved in with her. I got rid of all my stuff and then she broke up with me and now I have no stuff. Yeah. And so I'm back living with my parents for a bit. Cause like I have to rebuild my life and not just it is a like, rebuilding process. Yeah. It's and it, and it's incredible. not even just in like a, uh, material sense. Like mm-hmm. I, I was ready to be with that, that person. I thought it was going to be. A, a serious thing for a long time uh and then it the rug got pulled out from under me and now it's now i gotta you know not just like rebuild like like get a bed and all that stuff i gotta rebuild my confidence in my in, in my uh self-worth because it, it it was devastating it's one of those things where you um it's interesting when you talk about making a decision in the moment i have been there too where i've done the move in Right. And it was after it was shortly after uh, I went through a divorce, which was my first divorce. I'd never been through a divorce. Uh My parents got divorced. Right. And I promised myself, having been a kid of divorce. Yeah. And I know we we know each other. So I don't think your parents are divorced. No, no, they're still together. So when you have that, at least I say me, when I when that occurred with me, you see that there's an aftermath to divorce that is just um, if it's not done right. Mm -hmm. Um that can be really bad. And if it's not done right, meaning if the adults can't be adults and figure out how to be good for the kids and just make it like an extended family and get over grudges and all this stuff. So when you go through that, at least for me, I grew up and I was like, I'm, I'm never going to get divorced. Now that's a, that's a tough, uh, that's a tough sort of thing to put on myself. Yeah, that's, that's, that's because <laughs> A but, lot of times it, it isn't up to you. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't want to break up with my girlfriend. Yeah. She wanted to break up with me. Same, same like, here. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing. Like You can't, you can't control all of those yeah. things, those factors. Right. But then when, when that does happen, and I, and I remember when that happened, it was like, oh, my God, my, I was destroyed. And then shortly after that, uh, I had I met someone. And it wasn't so short. It was like six months. I was like, I'm going to give myself some time, mm-hmm. whatever. And it was six months, and I started seeing someone, and I did the move-in. And it yeah. was like, I moved in. And at the time, talking on decisions, at the time, I felt in that moment, this is the right thing to do. I really care about this person. I really love this person. I think we're going to make this work. And then it's just something where it's not even the other person's fault. I think sometimes the, the culprit is that decision-making process. As human beings, I feel like, don't you feel like we're sort of... It, kind of imprisoned by our own humanity in the sense that we have these like two parts or maybe more where you have this highly, you know, visceral, emotional part. You talking some of your bits oh, yeah. about it's, being emotional, like guys being emotional, like, let's just like, let's just fuck like, let's yeah. Right. And then you have this third part of your brain. That's like, Hey, relax there. Buddy. Yeah. The very logical part. I feel and like we're prisoners of that sometimes. I, I absolutely. And that's also like, I like to think of myself as being more logical than I am emotional most of the time, but as I look back through some of the decisions that I've made and the place that I am in right now, I'm realizing that I am way more emotional and I'm uh, emotionally manipulated and not, not through uh, other people, but like I manipulate my own emotions because Mm. I'm searching for certain things and certain people that I need, like that make me feel that give me worth instead of finding that in myself. First. I, I, yeah. Like I, I go to other people for that. So, you know, that's why I've been in relationships with like women that have kids because then I get to be 
kind of this savior in a way of mm. you know like like I get to show off like my good dad skills and stuff like that because I'm you know I'm a very caring loving parent and so that that gives me uh like a fulfillment but it is kind of I'm doing myself a disservice because that's not how I want to do it anymore. I, I mean, I love my kids. My kids are my stepkids. Yeah. But they've been my kids for, for 10 plus years. And my girlfriend had a kid that, uh, you know, I was I was in as much a step parent to, to, I mean, I was more of a step parent, not like a real parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, not like a, and I don't even like saying real parent, step parent. But, but I, I didn't have to do as much for her child. But I was there for, for some very like significant moments, at, like as she's, like being potty trained and stuff like that. I was, I was there. Those are important for, moments. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and like, uh, and I, I get a lot from that. Cause like what it comes down to is like, I want to have like my own child at some point. Hmm. And that's like what we were talking about a lot. And then when I realized that that wasn't going to happen with this person, there, there was some relief because I realized that it wouldn't have been right. Yeah. Uh, but it, 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 it felt like I just lost everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm trying to rebuild myself so that I can have that emotional uh, maturity in myself where I'm not trying to get uh, validation from other people. Well, and, and that's really tough. It's No, it's super tough. I, I, I know that sort of thing where I've realized, like, wait a second, I'm – I'm, and I think a lot of people can relate to a, a form of, and maybe this is the wrong word, but a form of dependency where I know for me, it's like, oh, I need this to happen. I need you to be like this. I need this to occur this way for me to feel this way. Mm-hmm. And then you get to a point where if it doesn't work out, you kind of reflect and you're like, oh, wait a second. Even before being in any relationship, I need to make sure I got that in check for me right. first. Yeah. Like, Am I okay with being me or okay with being alone or okay with being in, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And can I love myself in that way? Uh, and, and again, it goes back. And can I find someone that is also as mature or as, yes. as developed as I feel like I need to be? Yeah. Cause because haven't you, haven't you been in relationship too where it's the flip? I know I have where it's yeah. like now they are dependent in that same way on you. And you're like, I can, I can only give so much. Right, right. I can't fix you kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, I, I I've been both sides in both in, in in all my relationships. I've been the emotionally needy one and the one that uh, can only give so much. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like I can play both roles and I can pinpoint it in all my relationships. And then what happens is for me, like I feel trapped mm-hmm. and and like so with my current breakup, like there was a good two months where we were just roommates basically mm. like before we even broke up and it was just you know like we're just scheduling our days around each other yeah and then when we would actually be like just me and her it was just like almost hurry up and fall asleep kind of situation because there was like this tension between us that wasn't was just not resolved and then we were, we like finally ghosts. talked about You're it like ghosts yeah, yeah yeah and uh then when we finally talked about it it, it became clearer we just had uh, there was a, a wall between us, mm-hmm. and it was a pretty significant wall. That and it's not like we didn't cheat on each other or anything like mm-hmm. that. It just came down to personality and, and beliefs and stuff like that. And and like I still really care for her, and she cares for me. But we we like having the distance now, having been uh, moved out for about a month. I'm I'm seeing how I was allowing myself to to be manipulated into a situation that wasn't correct mm. just because I was getting a lot of love and a lot of uh caring but it was at the cost of some of my individuality. Hmm. And then you and you talked about having kids and I have a I have a 4-year-old she's going on 5. I this isn't like let me I just when I see it because again having been through experiences that facet, though, of you being a, a father figure to any of your kids, mm-hmm. that's a that's a really cool thing. Because, look, as you know, most guys, I don't know if it's a guy thing. There just seems they're men traditionally, in my perception, don't seem to be 
always present and there. And you could say, well, back in the day, it was because they were working mm-hmm. nine to five. But it, even even now, like you see it more and more. But I'm just saying, traditionally, men aren't as close or intimate with their children. I know for me and my daughter, I'm like, I wanted to make sure not only was I present, but that I let them know, like, hey, you're not alone. I love you. I'm right. very, and and you seem to have that with. And also, I think the big deal hearing this, and you make light of it in a great way in your comedy, but like on a on a deeper level. I shouldn't say that. It's like, yeah, comedy is just a low form. I'm a fucking prick. I'm saying I'm, maybe where it comes from, that is an awesome quality to have, to love someone and it because it's just the, not only the right thing to do, it's just what you should do. Yeah, well, it's just it, – it's one of those things where it just happens. Like when – and if you've ever been in a relationship where you're dating someone that has kids. Yeah, I am. You, you yeah. are – yeah, so you understand. Like you are in a way – not just dating the, the the parent, you're you're dating the kids. Like you're getting to know the kids. And yeah. so with my my kids, it was, I mean, there was there was times where I stuck around mainly because of them, hmm. because I wanted to be a constant in their life. Like I was as much in love with them as I was with their mom, hmm. and so I I wanted to be there to let them have someone that they can rely on and. You know, as they're getting older, I mean, my one daughter's going to be 19 next week, uh, the other one's 17, 15, so they're getting to a point where now that they're starting to get older and see that they can count on me in any situation, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I'm not, like, in their presence as much, but, you know, I talk to them all every day. Like, I'll, I'll yeah. text with them uh, and talk on the phone, and they know that they can come to me with any problem. And I'm not going to judge them. I'm going to definitely give a dad talk because that's, you know, mm-hmm. part of the deal. Yeah. I get to tell you when you screw up. But I'm not I, – I, I'm very understanding about those things and I'm very and – I, and I like to reassure them and make sure that they know that the, this wasn't, you know, a gimmick, this whole thing. Right. Like it was genuine from from the get. Like I, I – I, love them and i still love them and i will always love them yeah and so it's, it's like an i love you regardless right yeah no yeah yeah it's unconditional love which yeah. is what i grew up having from my parents i mean they're let my parents are letting me stay with them right now they don't have to do that and, right. I, and like i could have just gotten you know a shitty apartment or something like that but sure. i need i needed the time to to get away from the life that i i was living yeah and just kind of reset and so to to have parents that will do that for me and being able to, you know, and and now I'm trying to set myself up in a way that I can do that for my kids so mm. that when, you know, they fall on hard times, they'll have a place to come and stay. A home, a home yeah. to go home yeah. to, yeah. Do you think, um, so you think down the road, without putting weird goals on yourself, you, you want to have kids? You Your own kids? Yeah. I, you, you already have kids, but I'm saying yeah, your I want to biological... have like, yeah, I want to make a kid. You want to like, make a child. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to You want to make that. children. You are in the children yes. making business. Yes, exactly. Uh, and I, I really want to do that, and uh, I think that's like there's nothing that has ever made me feel as fulfilled as being a parent. Yeah. So all the the comedy, all the you know personal stuff that I've ever done pales in comparison to just having those moments, good or bad, where you realize that another person's life is more important than yours. Oh, so it's so moving. Yeah. It's so important. I, I was with uh, my daughter yesterday at the, uh, at the park and I had those moments too, because like 70% for me, at least of parenting is just a disaster. The logistics, the fear, mm-hmm. all the neuroses of like, Oh God, you know, what's going to happen. She's you're like, you're talking about when, when, when you have a girl, they get older, I'm going to be like just slapping dicks away. Yeah. Like get away. Yeah. Like, I, I honestly like it's it, but there are these moments like you, I'm so protective of her, and it, that to me causes me anxiety. I'm gonna be honest with you, like that. But I'm, but then you also have to let them, you know, you, you gotta let them fall. You gotta I let. I them, don't want to. I know. And, I and don't want to let her fall. Like it's. I'm working on it. I know. It's so hard. But that's why. That's why it's so important. Like I, those lessons, like teaching. Like I taught all my kids to ride their bike, mm. and. My kids are not the easiest kids to teach. They are very uh, stubborn and they're angry. They think and, they know too. They yeah, and they, they think they know, the they know how to do it. And then, uh, so basically, I showed them how to do it, and mm-hmm. then they get mad at me, and they would leave, and then they'd go and <laughs> practice by themselves, and then they got it. And so, 
like I wasn't there for like the first time they figured it out. Yeah. Because they get mad at me because I would let go and they'd be like, don't let go. I'm like, I got to let go. Mm. I'm telling you, I'm going to let go. Mm. It's part of it. And they're like, well, I don't want to do it. If I'm like, no, I'm going to catch you. So I'll be here. Yeah. But I'm going to let go. Yeah. And if you, you know, you just put your feet down, you're going to, you're going to be fine. And so when they, they got over that fear and then they wanted to almost prove to me that they could do it. Mm-hmm. So they like, they'd run off and then they go, you know, basically to another side of the driveway. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, I don't need you. I'm going to do this. And they just practice by themselves and learn how to ride their bike. That, that was it. Like they, they had their falls, they had mm-hmm. their, their, their trials, but, uh, they got there. And so you, you see that through everything as they get older, you know, there's those moments of that to solidify why you do it. And I, even like when I'm being weird and protective at the park with, with my kid, like, uh, like I was saying, I, I, she'll just be swinging on the swing. And there's this moment of just like you describe, which is like, it almost stands still. And I yeah. realize one, like you, I, I'm your parent. I love you. You came from me mm-hmm. and you love me and, and, and I love you more than myself. And it's just like through all the stuff that's difficult, that makes it, you're like, oh, this is more than career, yeah. more than all the struggles of getting all the, because it is, it, the career stuff is so important for, for ego, for expression, for, for your, for your livelihood, for all these things. But that to me, I agree with you. It completely, yeah. it completely trumps that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I've always been a guy that's been so career driven that it it's only in the past few years that I've realized how much that I, I've really gained from being a parent mm-hmm. and how much I've really enjoyed it and, and uh, kind of took it for granted at times. Cause you, you, especially when you are marrying into a family mm-hmm. and like I, I had like an immediate family at 25, yeah. you know, I, I, I got to, you know, I fell in love with this woman and she had kids. And so, uh, you go from zero to, to 60. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. And then you realize, Oh, look at how, good my life is because of these kids mm-hmm. like you know they, they're expensive and loud and annoying and shitty but yeah. and they don't appreciate anything but <laughs> they are also just wonderful people and mm-hmm. and then seeing them kind of grow and, and go through trials and tribulations and, and get on the other side of those things is really is really cool and you know talking about like the whole you know especially you got daughters mm-hmm. you you like the whole, you know, you, you worry about the boys, but it's because you care. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and uh, what you realize is the they're, they're going to be who they are. They're going to do what they do. And you just got to be there to, to, you know, be that, show them what a man is versus what a boy is. Yes. And all I want is for, at least for her, my only hope with all the letting go of a lot of the control is that if I can instill and teach her self-respect mm-hmm. in the sense that you're going to do what you're going to do. You're going to love who you're going to love, right. but just always, always do it at your, at, at your will that yeah. you, that you are determining that you are the determining factor of who you interact with, what you do, mm-hmm. how you engage with people on a social, on an intimate level, and that you aren't being, exploited or allowing others to put you in a position. And I think I see that so much, not only in, in, in females to this day where, where the objectification, I understand it's part of society, but yeah. for your own daughter, you want, it's like, look, that exists, but have a sense, whatever you do, that you're doing it and you're making the choice. And it, it isn't on anybody else's um, agenda. Right. And and that's all I want. One of the things too, that, that sucks for, like once you are a parent and you're seeing your kids get into relationships or, and even just like my own maturity is how romance is viewed hmm. and love is viewed. And it, like we're we're fed this thing through society that romance and love are these bonds that are I can't live without you. I need you. You complete me. That kind mm-hmm. of bullshit. Yeah. That is the codependent stuff that we were talking about. And for. I feel like girls are sold a bill of goods even more. Because with guys, you're like, yeah, you can be a ladies' man. You can be out there, you know, <laughs> picking up chicks and whatever. And yeah. for girls, it's always, go get that one guy. You're going to find that one guy, and he's going to be the one. Right. And there's not this, there's not enough focus on the, uh, yourself. It's it's a, a man 
will make you complete. Yeah. And, you know, you have to have a kid to make you complete. You right, have right. To, There's these things. Yeah. Like, the and that's bullshit. Like, you should have a partner, mm-hmm. but it shouldn't be, like, you can't depend on that person for everything. You mm-hmm. need to have that. And that that's kind of the, the bullshit that is out there for for romance, like, the, the, the stereotypical, like, Hollywood romance where you have to be so madly in love that you can't live without this person and mm-hmm. like you're willing to die for them or kill for them or some shit but it's like yeah you should really just be happy with that person and and, and not have to tie yourself to them to a degree where it's you know it's not Bonnie and Clyde yeah that's not what real relationships are like that that's that's phony and and it's romanticized yeah I'm not too- you're good it's just these plosives it's not your fault at all i'm just ken's usually here to do all the production shit yeah and so you're good you're totally fine cool but it's the the romanticizing of this is i i think and i was listening to a bit that you did and to kind of now on the conversely you talk about like uh, we were talking about like having sustaining relationships making them not codependent having long-term relationships you were talking in, in uh in your bits about cheating i thought was so amazing because you talked about almost this hollywood-esque um, yeah, yeah. aspects of how women do it or at least you view yeah. that when they do it it has to be this like I'm going on this getaway on this romantic trip and I think you talk about going to some hotel in Chicago right right and how right. it's like, but the way you said it was almost as it was almost scripted and how it was like I have to be I don't know I, and so it's it's even in even well, in the cheating we almost are kind of following some weird script that it has to be a certain way right and that's that's it's it's a fantasy and that you know Society is what it is, and we we all have our desires and our uh, our uh, just whatever makes us go. Mm-hmm. We have we have our our fuel, what what turns us on, what what uh, our fetish, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's one of those things where once you get over some of those things, mm-hmm. once you like process it, like I I wasn't like. A, a dude that got a lot of girls when I was younger and then I got to a point in my life where I was desired by a lot of girls and like had like some time and now I'm kind of past that where it's like I, I, meaningless sex isn't really anything I'm, I'm into anymore uh, just getting like like I know girls are going to pay attention to me mm-hmm. and that's and that's fine so now I need to find something that's that's more meaningful when I'm ready to get back out there like I don't want just a girl that's gonna you know pay attention to me or be like infatuated with me. I want someone that's going to be an equal with me. Yeah. I want someone that's got their career. I want someone that's got uh, a, a direction in life where we can just have a trust and a bond together that isn't uh, just brought together by lust. How hard is it to be in a monogamous relationship? Oh, it's How, incredibly hard. I mean, what, is it just the? Is there a? And I, I, I think this is just an interesting subject about how, on a biological, almost evolutionary level, there are these drives and these urges, and you can like describe them just as a thought experiment. When you're like, you're with someone, you're on a date, um, you're with that person, you love that person, and then there's someone else over yonder, and they're you know they're dancing or whatever like that. And your eye goes over there, and there's a moment. It's like almost like your Neanderthal sort of thing. Your moment, where you're like, huh? And then you look. Then there's this other sort of voice that's like, or sometimes it's not there. Mm-hmm. But there's at least in my head has always been like, hey, just okay, acknowledge that there's other people that are good looking. Yeah. But then like return to this value system and this trust and this relationship that you built. My point is, like, it, how hard is it for you? And also, like, is it possible to be? Do you think that is a fantasy too? There's some people who are just like, look, it's not fucking possible to be in a real monogamous relationship i know people who do yeah but how hard is it for you and and if it's done right can it be done in a way that's fruitful being being with one person i think you can because i've been able to do it Mm -hmm. um but it doesn't mean that it's not hard no i think it's incredibly hard and i think it's especially with social media and everything now there's so many distractions from those relationships you but what makes that hard why does that make it hard so like because distractions social media because uh, just devices in in mm. general. So anything that distracts from, you know, there's people that go out to dinner and they're on their phones the whole time and like that's th- that puts a, a it's just more things to, to to keep you from being connected to that person. Yeah. 
So whenever I'm in like the best place in any of the relationships I've been in, it's when I am minimizing or like I've, I've compartmentalized my work and my and all those different aspects so that when I'm with that person, I'm getting and giving the best, you know, the attention and making them feel valued and, mm-hmm. and vice versa. And when you lose that, because I'm not just saying like, obviously on social media, you can look at other girls, you can see other people, whatever. Uh, but just a distraction from working on something that might be a problem. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people too have a, very difficult time hearing that there is a problem and not understanding how it doesn't have to be something you fix but it should be acknowledged like things should be uh should be discussed because like that's one thing girls are always trying to fix me like they they want to fix me and they want to push their value system onto me i'm like well i just don't look at things that way i that aspect of my life whether it's you know a belief or whatever, it's I'm actually really okay with who I am hmm. when it comes to that stuff. And you're trying to use your what, what's working for you. You're trying to push it onto me, and it, it just doesn't. And I know that about myself. And uh, that's kind of one of the problems that was with my last girlfriend. Like she had this belief system that she was trying to get me to open up to, and I'm like I I was open to it at one point, and it hmm. wasn't. It's, it's not going to work for me. And I'm telling you that. And uh, if you are going to keep bringing it up, I'm going to keep. Is this like a, I don't, you can say yes or no. Is it a secular like belief system or is it like a religious belief system? It was system? like, a, I mean, she, she was very into. But you're talking like about astrology. astrology. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that whole astrology thing is her, like it became her, her every day. Like she'd listen to podcasts about it. She's seeing a therapist that was really into it. Do you think and it's so, bullshit? Just in general, not yeah. even with her astrology stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think, cause I think. But aren't there I – I keep asking you questions. It's just so interesting. Yeah. So on this point, let's not lose astrology. Like don't – can you – I'm not – you're like taking her – I'm not taking her aside. I'm just saying aren't there some people that when you line up their – like if you – like I'm oh, an Aries and like you're yeah, like that yeah. – these people with these signs tend to have these tendencies. There's absolutely Okay. That. So and you're saying it goes beyond that. I understand. That. Yeah. Okay. So it goes beyond that like to a point where you know she's talking about – the universe in, in a little bit of, into like Hindu, Buddha, Buddhism or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so she, she's got, she's kind of like pulling from all these different things. Okay. Very, very spiritual. Very, uh, she wants to be, you know, the universe is telling her things and teaching her lessons. And I just think of that as life. Like life teaches you lessons and it's, it's not planned out. It's all random and you just, you can either ignore it or you can, you can, uh, learn from it and so basically we had this and this is what i would try to explain to her is like we're, we're believing in the same things we just have different words in different language to describe it where you get offended when i say things are random or when things are coincidence because you think it's uh something that the universe is trying to tell you and is very deliberate mm-hmm. but th- that's not the you're focused on the wrong part mm. the part that we should focus on and that i focus on is what you learn from it and, and how you react to it. Yeah. So you and, don't. So you don't think it just as a general philosophy, you don't think that there is this this communication from uh, the greater beyond or the universe as it right. will, whatever you call it, God, the universe, yeah. the larger yeah. sort of oversight. You don't think there's a conductor who has a vested interest in me, in in Bill or in Aaron right. or whoever. And and that it's planned out. You you believe? I'm just I'm just mm-hmm. trying to read it. You believe that it is that there's this mystery of things happening on a physical or and or a non-physical level that we don't we can't explain. Mm-hmm. We don't to a certain degree we can, but at some yeah. point it, we reach a wall, right? Yeah. And we don't know what it is. However, it that the universe or the happenings of things, whether it's in a physical, social or interpersonal situation, that those things just happen and the universe doesn't have feelings about it. Yeah. It doesn't have like a it doesn't make cuz that that when you think of it that way, there is a sense that it's like there's an intentionality and a thought, an intelligence behind things that happen. You're saying these things just happen, like the sun rotates and it doesn't give a fuck right. about how close Mercury is to it. Yeah. It's not like, I'm sorry about all the potential life on Mercury. Mm-hmm. So you're and, just saying and I and it believe, just happens. I do believe that there are energies and there's there's things that 
like when Mercury, like they'll be like, oh, Mercury's in retrograde and mm-hmm. people get weird. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know enough to say that that's not happening or that isn't happening, but I do, I just know what I can control and what I can do. Yeah. And so I don't get wrapped up in the minutia of all that stuff. I just go, I'm going to live my life and try and be a good person. Yeah. And I, I don't need the explanation. I don't need the, uh, the, 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 the belief that everything's tied together somehow. It just, it, it, because if I'm going to get that, I need like solid answers. You need proof. You need yeah. evidence. Right. And because I can't get that, I just put it on my mind. And like, it literally just doesn't, it's not something I think of. Like, I don't, I don't worry about it. Like some people get really, and, and like, I, I went through all that, like with growing up Mormon and stuff like that. Yeah. I, 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 I looked into other religions. I looked into how everything is, uh, supposedly like created by God and stuff like that. And then I just realized like, I'm, I'm almost like in like the church of Satan kind of camp where it's just like, I'm, I'm my God. Hmm. I'm my own God. I, I make my own uh, life. Yeah. So just just control it and just, you know, try not to be a dick. Yeah. And people, you said church, people forget just from the limited research I've done. Originally, the Church of Satan isn't like this big. It was more of an it was more of a uh, um, a response to what you're saying, which yeah. is like, I don't know what's out there. Right. I'm going to take ownership for my own thing. Yeah. It was sort of bucking this idea that yeah. I had to be, uh, you know. Uh, that I had to listen to or answer to this higher being mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. So it, it's a rebellion. And to me, it's also just like I, also needing evidence too, I think is, at least for me in my life, I I find that to be important. But at the same time, how do you find your way in life having an ethical and moral uh, uh, principles that you live by with? Because a lot of people need the end game. Right. To justify why they need to behave in a good way, I think it's harder, and I think to be honest with you, more noble when you don't know what the end game is, but you're decent regardless. My my end game is the results that in I, the moment yeah, though, not right, I'm going to heaven. Right, right. There not is the, a heaven yeah, or not, anything like not that. Not any afterlife, but right. it's it's what I provide for my children. It's what the, it, it's my footprint on the world. Mm. So I'm I'm on the radio. So I I take responsibility for what I say on there. And sometimes I say things that are ridiculous and, mm-hmm. and offensive. And sometimes I, I say things that are really like, I'm like, holy shit, that was kind of brilliant. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's things like that. And, and just kind of follow the golden rule, treat people how you want to be treated and let leave the world a little bit better than you, you when you got here. Do you think the golden rule is a rule that is dependent on like a dogma or a religion, or do you think the golden rule was always there prior to any sort of organized religion and faith? Meaning, was there always an ethical standing in the moment that you could make a choice as a human being? Yeah. To treat, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I think there was, I think the golden rule is, has always been there because it's one of those things, the golden rule basically treat others how you want to be treated is just going against your your own nature at mm. at times because there's definitely when you're angry when you're sad when you're uh, being emotional it's harder to follow that golden rule mm-hmm. so so you might get violent you know if you're you're back in the day you, you, you might get violent or or you're full of rage you might do something that you're going to regret yeah and you're going to do it to someone else and 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 back then it was you know strength like that that's always how people were judged yeah uh you you had that that the strongest guy was the leader and then as we started to build societies that kind of fell to like it wasn't the strongest guy but the guy with the most power the Mm -hmm. most uh and and that might have been the smartest person but now it's gone away from that even and it's gotten to a point where people crave power to manipulate people mm-hmm. and uh and they don't care about they, they, they've abandoned that golden rule and that's one of those things that makes me so crazy when people are religious but they are pretty terrible yeah in like they're they're you know the the whole parkland shooting thing mm-hmm. and you have people that call themselves christians and they're insulting victims of a, a shooting yeah, and, and like, how is that Christ-like? How how are you being a good representative of what 
Jesus Christ stood for, if you are insulting a child for their beliefs, that's not, that's not what it's about. And so when I see things like that, it, it just, that, that's kind of what keeps me on a path to being a better person or, yeah. or wanting to be a good person. Cause I don't want to be a hypocrite like that. I don't want to be, I don't want to be someone that says, Oh, I follow Jesus Christ. But if you disagree with me, I'm going to call you an asshole. And it, it almost feels as if there is a level of, and you say where we are now, there's a level of insanity in the sense that everybody is so tied to particular issues or a particular piece of legislation mm -hmm. that it seems to override a commonality of decency Absolutely. and connection. I mean, like you said, if you're a Christian, whatever denomination you are, yeah. If you know anything, I'm not a I'm not a biblical historian. If you know anything about the Christ, I'm assuming his. I mean, I'm sure there obviously there was violence in that time. I mean, the guys setting temples on fire, mm -hmm. but it's always in it's always against and to oppose oppressive uh, regimes, tactics, people, and always trying to empower the less than or or the or, or folks that are that are always being exploited yeah. and and to and to you know this level of insanity where you get behind an issue and you, it and you get so hypocritical that you completely abandon the very faith that you say right that you that you are behind mm -hmm. is is incredibly hypocritical well, there, there, there's nothing worse there's literally there is nothing worse i think there's no worse for lack of a better term sin than to say one thing and literally live an opposite way. Just be what you are. Right. Just be a fucking asshole and say that you don't like kids who speak up and you want yeah. guns in schools. Just just say it. Right. And and that's one of those things that makes me very, uh, like I'm very torn when it comes to my dad's political beliefs and his religious beliefs don't match up. Because he is Mormon and he, like, I, I, I learned a lot of good, compassionate values from my father. But then when he talks about, like welfare being like a problem and stuff like that i'm like aren't we supposed to do this like i know people take advantage of the system right but can't we fix the system and not blame the people right like, is it isn't isn't that what we should be working on not saying that oh these freeloaders are trying to take advantage of stuff when it's it's like no they're 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 doing what they know how to do they're trying to survive let's not blame them let's figure out a system that can work for them because we are evolving we are growing and let's not uh act like it's not not our responsibility to, to take care of our society you want our society a better place then stop blaming the people and start taking responsibility for the systems that are in place that are dividing us and keeping yeah. us from from getting better and and recognize that there the this two-party system is bullshit and so it's almost like a one-party system. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying with just different sides yeah, of the exactly. Bat. That's and that's insane. And it just it and and when people start like arguing, like they'll call in if we talk anything political on the show, and they'll 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 use those same words. You know, the 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 oh you're like when someone calls me a liberal or when someone you know left wing, right wing, any of that stuff, mm -hmm. right, and and they identify it as themselves. They go, oh, you know, these are all just liberal talking points. I'm like. I, I, I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I don't read enough and I don't pay attention. I don't enough. have a talking point. Yeah, I don't have talking <laughs> points. I'm just speaking from my gut, man. Yeah. I'm just like, I, I'm into trying to be good to people. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm trying to do. And so when you're you're talking about kids getting shot in school, I don't want kids to get shot in school. I'm not trying to take away your rights. I'm trying to do what I think will help. And I and, and then like when it, when it comes to gun control... Whenever I talk one-on-one -on -one with someone that is very pro-Second Amendment and I get to, like, really just pick their brain about it, because I do like doing that. I like to hear other people's views. Yeah. And they say, well, I'm okay with those background checks. I'm like, well, then why aren't we doing it? Like, who's who's stopping this? Yeah. Who, who's who's making this so that we, like, are, are keeping something in uh, from, from happening to, to just to try like yeah. that can we just try things because it's it's not working right now it's funny when you get in a room or when you're a public 
persona if you're on the radio you get a lot of people calling in mm-hmm. or when you know when i would be you know doing monologues in, in a room of people what you realize it seems like is that there's a small percentage of people who are just who are just out there yeah. i mean they're just they're going to disagree or they're, and they're loud they're, they're loud they're and and that's but that's a small percentage but yeah. the majority of people right. even when there's differences involved Figure out a way to come to a compromise. Exactly. Like you talk about that guy or that woman who is our pro Second Amendment. Yeah. When you have a real discourse with them, right. you have a conversation, and you get down, you're like, "Look, when we get down to it, can we figure out a way to add some common sense barriers yeah. between guy who wants to massacre children yeah. and the gun? Like, I know you like the gun. Mm-hmm. I know you, it's great. And 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 by the way." The right to protect yourself. Can we figure out different ways? Like, what kind of guns can we get? Can we right. fi- Most people, I feel like, will be willing to do that. But to your point, it's hilarious. When it comes to actually enacting legislation, it never happens. And I think it points, for me at least, to that it has less to do with the people and more to do with the, the controlling interests like well, lobbyists system, and the NRA yeah. and yeah, all these things. Yeah. Like the, exactly. And so fixing the system has got to be something that we do. I don't know. I don't know what you think. Obviously, I know you said you're not a fixer, but like... We can complain about it, but there's, there's, if there was a way to fuck it up, there's a way to fix it. Right. And I think when, when you look at the way this country's going, where corporations just keep getting bigger and bigger and consolidating and and you're, you're, you're talk to, to people that are, you know, pro business or whatever, but you realize that that's, you know, we're, we're giving these people way too much power. Like they have, they're, I mean, just like the internet companies, the whole Facebook thing, mm-hmm. they know everything about us and like privacy doesn't exist anymore and it's all just to sell you shit. And so whether, so if you, you see what's going on and you really like look at the world from that way and mm-hmm. get over the materialistic bullshit that drives a lot of this country, then you go, oh, I, I'm, I'm okay with uh, having a background check. They just want to make sure they can sell guns because they yes. make a lot of money selling guns. Yes, and they want they realize that the more uh, we scare people into thinking that their guns are going to be taken away, the more guns they sell. Right, and it's a weird balance that I think has to has to come back. I don't know if it was ever there. People say, "Well, back in the day," but at some point, maybe in some in some distant past or some recent past or in in, in our history, even if it was a small period of time, it felt like there was an understanding, even from people that you disagreed with, that the interests of people, the interests of the community, the interests of the country, of the people living, working, and and, and, and being born and dying in this country are should be first. Mm-hmm. And they should be prioritized over any business interest. Yeah. Not that businesses are needed. We need trade. We need right, all we this. Need it, yeah. That's great. Markets are great. However, we've gotten to a point where you know, democracy has become a residual effect of business rather than business being a residual effect of democracy. Right. And it's crazy that we've gotten there. And I, I don't know and, how and we the, can. And that's, and that's when you when you look at uh, you said it's a one party system. Yeah. Look at who is donating money and that they're donating to both sides and that yeah. they're that, like those in, in and you know, this you, you do shows about this mm-hmm. talking about college debt and and how predatory that is and how uh we're we're being taken advantage of because we're trying to get to this certain point where we can have the life like we've been talking about the whole time where Mm. you have the family you you can provide for them you can you can have that happiness and that peace of mind uh but you have to go into debt to do it or you have to uh buy into this culture to do it whereas there's not a it wasn't exactly that way 25 30 40 years ago where you could you could go to school and you could better yourself but it wasn't going to put you into a hundred thousand dollar hole right that you have to then figure out how to get out of yeah there was a time and it and it still is that time where people doing well is economically viable mm-hmm. like and and I think most people know when more people do better we all do better right. But I think, like you said earlier on about who's in power back in the day was who is the strongest and then who has the most power. Now there is an intelligence of, and it's not just an intelligence, uh, like a noble intelligence, a scientific intelligence, a curious intelligence. There is a 
uh, a power structure that is intelligent in a in a violent way in which they they are a manipulative intelligence. Right. An intelligence where it's like, oh, I, and it's almost like it's, I don't want to say it's a monopoly guy with a mustache, but it's almost like there is this sort of, um, uh, this ominous sort of movement where these controlling interests are like, we know how human beings react to these things. To yeah. these things. And let's put these systems in place. Because and of have studies them. and analytics. Yeah. And they know that, like like the gun thing, you, you, anytime they say that they're going to take guns away, gun sales go up. Yeah. Uh, you, the same thing with, uh, like right now, it's a seller's market for, for homes. So we're going to hit that same bubble yeah. that we had in 2008 where things are, like that's going to burst at some point. Yeah. And then we have to, to start over because that's just how it goes because people say oh you need your house you got to get this house you, you can get a rocket mortgage from quicken loans and like oh your credit score is not good but it's good enough to to loan you something and you're gonna have to pay this fucking crazy amount of interest and uh but but you'll have a place and you yeah. call it your own like and so uh and it's also very interesting to listen to the commercials and and pay attention to the commercials on the stuff that you're watching oh yeah so like i've been listening to uh, Fox Sports Radio, and I listen to it on iHeartMedia or on iHeartRadio, and I don't know what they play on like the actual commercials, like on on FM, mm-hmm. but they play these commercials that are like, "Hey, don't harass girls for nude pictures," because that's their audience, and they're trying to teach. <laughs> like, it's this ad council <laughs> campaign where they're like, "Stop." The more to you get, know, yeah, yeah exactly. Like. Uh, if you call a girl a, a fucking whore, she's gonna be upset with you. Don't do that. And I'm like, I'm like listening to these things. I'm like, there's guys that are hearing this commercial and they're going, "That's bullshit." I'll do what I want. Right. Like, and it's it's crazy. And then you go and like uh, in the hallways on uh, at the station, they play Rush Limbaugh mm-hmm. during the day, which it, he he's whatever. But but the, the got a gold microphone. The ads are what are. Very interesting. Fear, right? Everything is so fear based. Keep your money. Oh, the keep your money. Life alert. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, life, life lock. lock. Yeah. All that shit. All that yeah. shit. Yeah. So everything is about people just trying to get into your life, trying to steal from you, trying yeah. to. And you got scarcity mentality. Yeah. yeah. It's, and it's really uh, eye opening because then you go and listen to the ads on our station on our show, and they're like same company, mm-hmm. and they're just. You know, get this car, get your windows, things like right. that. But it's not window it's nation, not, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, it's not so much trying to steal all your shit all the time. Be right. afraid. Right. They're, they're not fear based. They're just that they're more to a a broader crowd. But that, that that the specificity of what's on Russia show, what's on Fox Sports Radio, what's on our show, it's it's very intriguing to me. Because they know that's where it's worked, or that's where it's needed. Mm-hmm. And those the ad council ones where it's like, stop harassing me for nude pics. Just they kill me. Like it's so funny that you have to put that out there as like a a, a public service announcement. But you do because there's a lot of guys that don't know they don't have those skills to just be a decent person. What's well, that decision? The, yeah. Going back to the decision sort of theme from the beginning of, I spend at least fifty percent of my day. Uh, base. I, I agree. I think the same thing. I'm like, who does this? It's like when I'm watching, flipping through, and I see televangelists, and I'm like, who is that person that calls the 1-800 number to get right. the prayer water? Yeah. Or the whole, who does that? Who, who uh, you know, like, I, I can't. And then you see, like, I mean, what Joel Osteen does. Like, he makes a lot of money yeah. doing what he does. And you realize that there's a lot. There's a lot of people. You know, Tons of people. Jones, even though Alex Jones, his... Audience is probably mostly uh, like a very specific demographic. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people in that demographic. There is a ton of people. Yeah. I spend 50% of my day wondering about people's decisions. Mm-hmm. I really do. And that's that's not to say I'm, it's like 80. I'm not, I'm not a total pessimist. But like 50% of my day, I'm just like, what? And it's what not brought out you of, there. Yeah. What brought you there? It's not even out of any sort of moral, you know, uh, arrogance I think that I have some formula that has worked for me, but like for the most part, like you said, talking about just being a contemporary man or woman, like I would say that most of what I see is almost, it's almost anti-evolutionary. Mm-hmm. Like, like to the point of like, don't text women, 
Like I would never, I would never dream in my life right. of being that crass. Not that I haven't been a shitty person or a right. bad boyfriend, but I mean, on a date, like on a daily, just opening up my phone yeah. and saying like to my mind, I'm just like, oh, why would you call someone that? Like that's yeah. not nice, like, right? But then it's you, crazy you, to me. But then you talk to any girl that's been on a dating app or anything like that, and they talk to someone, and you know, there you you realize there's a lot of guys out there that do this. That and, and yeah. there's a reason for those ads because there's a lot of guys that are just they feel like they are owed something. They feel uh, entitled to companionship, and not that it's something. Uh, that's earned and and uh, to be valued. How do you? I know we got to wrap up here. I have a couple more, and then I'll let you go. Do you? How do you? Speaking of girls, apps. You did a bit on about uh, Tinder. Um, how do you decipher being when you in the work in the business that you're in, whether it's comedy or being on the radio, any sort of public space? How do you decipher about girls who are interested in you? Or just interested in in your persona, so to speak. Um, How do you, can you decipher, it or is, it, well, is well, that a working process? To, well, that I've gotten a lot better about that. Like, because it used to be like overwhelmingly, I would just try. Like, if they were interested in me, like I would. And, and again, I was never shitty about it, but like you know, I'd flirt with them and 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 uh, go on dates and, and hook up and like do like kind of had like this casual fun thing going on, and now. That I'm past that phase of my life. Mm-hmm. I it's just I I I I just treat them like they're a guy almost. Like I just uh, I don't flirt. I don't I don't uh, give into that that urge as much. And mm. I, well, and I just don't have that urge. I, I've kind of scratched that itch. So I just kind of kind of golden rule. Just treat them how they, I want to be treated. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be nice and responsive, but I'm not going to. Uh, well, like I'm just not really looking at anything like that right now. Like I'm, I'm trying to keep a stay single for a while and just and just be, you know, kind of like I said, rebuild myself. But even when you do at that point, how how can you? I guess it's, it doesn't even have to be with a public figure. It's sometimes it's like how can can a person ever tell that if you're someone who has money or someone yeah. who has a particular career? Can you ever tell when that when that person is? I guess there's there's uh, just through patience. You yeah. can't tell. You can tell because if you um, if you aren't pushing, if you're not trying to get anything from them, yeah, you'll see it. You'll see whether they are genuinely interested or they just want to be uh, associated with you because of your status or anything like that. Uh, so, like the more you are reserved and more you can can hold back and not be trying to get sex or uh, or anything like that. You 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 you'll see whether they're genuine or not. Last and they might start off as uh, one thing, and then when, through getting to know you, they 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 become that it is a genuine interest. Yeah, it always feels too like when the when the going gets tough. Yeah. Sometimes there's there's usually those vetting process that that yeah. happens where yeah. you're like, what happens? Crickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, last thing, and this was just based on again, just recently listening to your uh, to your decisions aren't my thing. And I know people can find it on Spotify, right? Yes, yeah, on Spotify Search, Search and Apple Music, and it's it's every streaming yeah uh, app out there. So. I was listening to it on Spotify again recently to just to prepare for this. And uh, do, first of all, well, let's end on this this really not too deep note. So racism for me. I can't even get into it because it would be a thirty-minute thing about mm-hmm. how I don't, I can't conceive of again why even in the first place in a in a society like ours that we still have racism this, this issue, right. I, I, and that's not to say because people you know even my friends people yeah. right and left they take a soundbite it's not no I, I, what I'm saying is just the idea that any individual at any point in time would um be discriminatory towards someone based on a perception or the way they look or their right. skin color or the neighborhood. They, it's yeah. crazy. For me, it's just individual. You're either a dick or you're not. Right. No matter what color you are, you can be a person who's black and you can be nice or you mm-hmm. can be a dick. Right. You can be a person who's Korean. You, it, that's yeah. just, for me, it's always been an individualized thing. Now, I, I recognize history. Mm-hmm. I recognize that I'm assuming through 
when we were in tribes that imagine if you were a Neanderthal and, yeah. and, and you never saw someone with a different skin color and they, yeah. they, you could, I understand that like, Oh, that could be danger. That could yeah. be a threat to, I get that. But, but we're like, so far past we're that, past that yeah. now. Yeah. Right. Like, like I understand even a, even like stereotyping in a survival mechanism. Right. Mm-hmm. So like if you're walking late at night and you're in a dark alley and you're trying to get to your car and you see someone slowly behind you walking and then start running at you, like your body, no matter what, if yeah. it's a whoever it is, White, no matter black, what, whatever, whatever, you're gonna. I'm nervous. Your you're not yeah. gonna be like, you know what? I'm gonna ignore that. He could just be really, yeah. you know, happy to see me. Mm-hmm. So I understand those things, but we're at a point where I can't believe it still even exists, but it does, and mm-hmm. it's crazy how full force it is. Yeah, like and how it kind of like. It, it was quiet. It was dormant for a while. Oh, yeah. It was there. There's a permission It was always now. there. But it wasn't uh, being talked about openly like the, it is now. Like, there is, like, the, the fact that there's guys out there doing tours about, uh, like, Milo or, you know, the Richard Spencer guy, mm-hmm. like, talking about white supremacy. Like, it's, like, how? How is this a thing? How is it a thing? Yeah. And, and how is there that big of an audience? Right. But this is a question out of ignorance. Does com- is does comedy do something right when it comes to racism? And I mean that from what I see, I'm not a comedian. Mm-hmm. It always feels like comedians, sort of like almost when it's like athletes, I, I, I compare it to that, yeah. where you get into a, 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 a vocation or a, a group or a society of people doing similar things. And it seems like it's almost like we transcend I'm not saying it does. I'm asking because I know it exists, but it feels like when I see comedians talking or even yeah. doing documentaries, there almost is an understanding that like, look, we are not past this, but like we can communicate in a way in which we can be, we can actually communicate about it. We can right. talk about race. Yeah. We can do this in a way where we can. Because you can make it light. And you right. Can, you can. Uh, Dave Chappelle in his new special talked about how he's more a comedian than he is a black person. Hmm. Like he. He. He, he he has a bit about that, how comedy supersedes that yeah his his blackness, and I think that's what you get from the best comedians, a guy like Dave Chappelle, a guy like Bill Burr, that are so skilled and so great at observing society and its hypocrisies, yeah, and they can turn it on its ear and and make it into something that we laugh at. I mean, it's it's. That's where the art of it comes into yeah. place, and uh, I think comedy is a great tool to discuss things that people are uncomfortable with. That's why I'm drawn to the the comics, and and, and I try to do what I do, where I, I I'm going to talk about things on stage that are going to make people uncomfortable. But it's my job as the comedian to make it palatable for most people. I know not everyone's going to get it, but it's it's i'd rather uh there's always going to be people that don't like it no matter what so i don't i don't mm-hmm. worry about those people so you watch guys like Dave Chappelle like i said he can talk about race and he can do it in a way that is poignant and funny and actually can i think open people's mind to something that they didn't see before because he's got such a powerful uh tool a powerful just delivery system mm-hmm. because he's so good at what he does i almost feel like it feels like comedy is a, is a, nece- a necessary art form or right. platform to discuss it because you can do one of these podcasts i was going to say charlie rose but we can't talk about that yeah. anymore but i'm saying a charlie rose-esque sort yeah. of like hello let's and, and yeah. i think there is a place to really have meaningful not you know, not well, based when you, when you get one on one. Yeah, that it, can that's it, real, right? That's yeah, good. That's that's great. And uh, but comedy is beautiful too, in the sense, like yeah. you said, it, it elevates and it, it almost frames it in a way under the under the guise of okay, we're here for a comedy show. Mm-hmm. You can learn something. Yeah, and you can my my introduction, honestly, to a lot can, of other cultures or identities or ethnicities were through, through com- comedians. Yeah, and it, it, that's it's it's a beautiful thing because. Especially with all the Netflix specials that are being produced and, and comedy specials that are being produced, and the diversity that thing, Comedy Central has embraced. And people, you know, there's people like, oh, just another uh, comic that, you know, they're just trying to fill a quota. I'm like, no, they're trying to give these guys a, a platform to, to open 
the world up a bit. You know, mm. you got a guy like Trevor Noah, that his story's amazing. Yeah. You got Ronnie Chang, who is from China and now he's here. Kumail Nanjani. Like these these people have amazing stories and it and it opens my eyes to what the rest of the world thinks of us and in, in, in what we get to experience. And uh it's it's a really really interesting, really cool thing to do. And then you have someone like Kanye who saying all the dumb shit that he says, you could take all those things that he said, all those all that nonsense, give it to Dave Chappelle, and Dave Chappelle can present that stuff and you'd be like, Oh, the way Dave said it, it made sense to me. Right. But Kanye isn't as gifted as Dave. Yeah, you have to be he he is stand like he he takes him too serious. Yeah. So when he's saying things and he's trying to say like I have free thought uh, and, and I want to have like new ideas. Uh, yeah, you're fine, but you have to understand that your n- new ideas aren't really that new for one, mm-hmm. and two, uh, your presentation's garbage right now. Yes, TMZ is probably not the platform right for yeah. for social discourse. I mean, yeah. like, well, put also, out an album for Christ's sake. Yeah. Put out like a <laughs> well, in in TMZ. Like also to go in there and rant about. Uh, Getting hooked on opioids because you got liposuction, liposuction like, and then to, to, and then to end it with, oh, slavery was a choice. <laughs> like you're like, dude, who's this who PR are guy? Your set list? Like, <laughs> like this is this is shit. You work on it at an open mic, and then work out the kinks, and then come. The, you don't you don't start. He you premiered don't do that special opening night. It's yeah. not even a soft open. Yeah, it was yeah. just there. You don't you don't riff an entire comedy special and be like. Uh, I guess I should have done that more than once. Like it's, it, he's just bananas. And and and, but again, like I I I I understand what he was trying to do. Yes. But I think because he is in this bubble of wealth and power, that he doesn't see what everybody else. He doesn't see the world correctly right now. He's mm. he's he's looking things through a very distorted point of view the lens is distorted yeah yeah. and he's he's so the way he's looking at things isn't uh isn't complete enough to to have those thoughts be out there and have them be understood or or as free as you know or as new as he thinks they are yeah well listen you were the first guest on my podcast and we're going strong, and you're back again. I appreciate you doing it. Thanks for being so candid. Thanks for talking to me, man. No problem, man. I, I, I had a blast. You. Thank you. For all your listening needs for The Connect, make sure you go to theconnectpodcast.com. You can also find The Connect on most platforms and apps where you stream your podcast. Make sure you go and do that and subscribe. And remember, stay connected. I'll talk to you next episode. Everybody's got it wrong Got it wrong.